I mean, yeah, All whatever right. he says. Everything is off the record. This is just for our records. Yeah, for us to understand how to be better. So in in essence, you know, I wanted to call this whole podcast like the passion profiles, essentially. You know, because I was I was thinking to myself, uh, we all learn really anecdotally. We we learn essentially through uh, other people's stories. Some of the best ways that I've learned, actually personally, are are you know, is essentially through listening to someone, what they went through, what they struggled with, how they got there, and essentially the challenges, and then. Moreover, like, you know, why, why they're deciding to do what they want to do in reference to who they want to be, what they're currently doing, and their life goals and aims. So this started off initially as what I wanted to make uh, kind of like book, basically. You know, kind of like a chicken soup for the soul kind of thing. But instead, he, he you know, Mark mentioned um, that a podcast is how we're all consuming information these days. Uh, a lot of people don't really do a lot of reading and I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, I actually listen to a lot of podcasts myself and it was very unconscious of me to think about that. Mm-hmm. And so he approached me with the idea of a podcast and that's how this whole thing grew. And what we essentially hope to do is we hope to actually detail some of these profiles and like, you know, write a little maybe periodical included with it, like a little blog basically, you know, provide some some local light to some people who actually doing some really cool things. Because I would say a lot of people aren't really doing a lot of that right now. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have the ability to say, well, I really want to do this. They, they just don't think it's possible. But if they know it's possible through a story, then they'll be like, okay, well, maybe I can actually do this too. And so that was the whole aim and goal of this. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? Or? Uh, I don't. That covers, covers it pretty well. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get started. So this is the first edition of the Passion Profiles. And so today we have a wonderful guest here, Lauren Holder, who is part, who was previously part of the geology department, but is now engaging in an educational um, sort of context for the work that's being done there. I am Mike, and uh, I'm here with my fellow co-host, Mark, and we will be here interviewing the lovely Lauren Holder. <laughs> so, <clears throat> please uh, provide us with a, a background. Uh, what is it that you do? What is it that really got you on your, your way? Just give us a quick you know, overview and whatnot. Okay, um, so I started out as a geochemist in the geology department. Um, and I did a couple of internships and I hated both of them (laughs) and it was just weird because I really liked the classwork but for some reason it was very different once I got into the lab and started doing things myself Um, so yeah I basically was at this point in my PhD where I kind of hated everything that I was doing and I randomly got asked to go to an education conference to be like a scribe <laughs> like I wasn't even really participating in it um, but I found that I really really enjoyed what they were talking about and everything made sense and I started getting more interested into that and so I sort of thought maybe I would do like a 50-50 PhD but then I started learning more about education and taking classes and I decided to get rid of all of my geochemistry stuff so I'm still in the geology department, but um, I study how people learn about geology instead. So it's like a whole movement. Um, it's called DEBER, so Discipline-Based Educational Research. So they have it in engineering, like basically all the STEM things. Um, so I'm just the cohort in geology. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Well, it actually seems like you answered our first two questions. No. <laughs> uh, Sorry, guys. That we have, but no, that's great. Um, 
So what were some of the crucial obstacles on your path and how did you overcome them? I would definitely say starting out in geology, wanting to do something, you know, completely different than what I'm doing now was a big obstacle because I feel like a lot of times when you come out of undergrad, especially because I went straight into a PhD, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do and my undergrad was kind of small and so we didn't really have as many opportunities. So I feel like that's a really common thing is like you get to grad school and you think you want to do something, but then by the end of your degree, you're like, oh God, this is horrifying. And I, do, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Like I've actually known quite a few people that end up like selling real estate or, you know, mm-hmm. they yeah. just, they don't get enter into any academic field like what they were doing before. So that was a big issue for me. Um, uh, actually, really quickly, I kind of want you to comment on the whole transition from your undergrad to your PhD, because I think you just mentioned something, especially as a small school individual. Yeah. I think a lot of people come with the pretenses, uh, and I'm not saying that n- people aren't qualified to come from a small school or anything, but I think they don't actually know what they're getting themselves into. They're biting off a lot more they can chew. Uh, then they can chew and a lot of people end up coming here or anywhere else and they say to themselves i really don't actually like this yeah so can you make a little bit more of a comment on when when was that transition sure you you know it sounds like it sounds like there's quite a bit that actually went into that and it sounded like it wasn't just a a sudden you know oh my god what's going on with my life it actually became uh it was it sounds like it's it's a gradual thing right yeah so like my undergrad had five thousand students and my geology department was under a hundred, mm-hmm. definitely under a hundred. Right. So getting to A and M was like it was insane. I had never seen so many people in my life, like at a school. Right. Um, so I mean, that was really challenging. I think because my department is, you know, we've like a thousand people maybe, and like maybe our college and department. I don't know. But yeah, so that was really um, challenging. And then, I don't know, I think you're, especially in a school where it's so small, you almost, it's not that you're getting babied, but you get so much individual attention from your TAs and your instructors and you know everybody in your department and it's, you know, everything fits together really well. But then when you get to a big school like this, I sort of feel like you can sort of get lost in the process, um, especially if you're in a department where it's not very social, like you might, you know, it can be hard as a grad student to make friends and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, I feel like I'm getting off on a tangent. What was the like original question? No, 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 this this is great because we're hearing more about your experience, but we wanted to, uh, I just wanted to know like, you know, when, when you came here, like this doesn't sound like a gradual thing, right? Like this this sounded like a gradual thing. This didn't sound like you immediately said one day, wow, this sucks. It wasn't like, you know, right? right? So kind of like discuss the progression here. And like the classes were very interesting and I've always enjoyed classwork. So maybe that wasn't you know, the biggest thing there, but I guess as like my first internship happened and I had some negative experiences just with the people that I was working with, so nothing really got done with that. Um, But then the second one was just horrible. And I feel like it was definitely having those concrete experiences that sort of like made me realize, oh, this is not really what I want. Um, So I would definitely recommend that anybody have an internship if they can, because it really shows you like 
doing stuff in class is so different than doing it like on your own or in a team or you know in an actual workplace where you have to have deliverables and like all this kind of stuff um and it's you know it was just it was really different um i you know i just didn't personally enjoy that work but i think that that's really what people should do and it was really those experiences that made me think like this is not for me so it was sort of a gradual thing like i realized that maybe these classes weren't quite as exciting as they could have been but it was really like those experiences that cemented things for me so one of the questions i had coming up there is when it comes to making a career shift a lot of people oftentimes feel like they have so much time invested in what they've already been doing right that even if they kind of have a little inkling or, or an idea that they want to switch they have a really hard time pulling the trigger yes so what it, what was it about your experience that kind of enabled you to make that tough decision and not necessarily throw away what you've already done but right. you you're well, really making a significant pivot yeah um, like, against what you've done so right. how, how did you actually pull the trigger on that decision um so luckily for me my advisor did both things he had a foot in education and he had a foot in geochemistry so it was always an option for me to explore educational work um and weirdly enough it wasn't even my advisor that sent me to this conference it was my co-advisor now um but yeah, I think just having having some an advisor or a mentor or someone in your life that can help you figure out what you want to do is crucial. Um, having you know having my advisor be like, you know what, you can switch to this if you want, and I will be there to support you was really really helpful and I think just having like someone believe in you that you can do things is really helpful because a lot of times like so my parent one of my parents is in academia so it's nice that I can rely on that but most people don't have that so that was sort of another sounding board that I could go off of um, but you know if you don't have parents that are in academia or you don't have an advisor that you really connect with I can definitely understand that it's really hard if you see that you're not exactly going down the right path, but you see something that you might like. Um, I would almost say, like, if that's what you're thinking about, start getting um, help from another advisor or a mentor. You know, just having that mentoring in your life really makes a big difference. Mm, that's really interesting too because I've always uh, felt like there's a huge uh, there's a huge um, benefit to mentorship. Mentorship is a very big thing, and I think across the board it sounds like you've had a lot of mentorship throughout your collegiate career, at least in the terms of like when you first started out. And so um, you know, I guess in terms of like how um, you've seen things, like could you make a better or could you make a comment about how people could really um, you know experience sort of a better uh, way about going about things if they have mentors like mentorship being like a very beneficial part of their life yeah um, I think mentorship mentorship mentoring mentorship, mentorship. Yeah. it sounds like a weird word I don't know. yeah like a shit so <laughs> um, I think it takes work on both sides like it can't just be your mentor always being like what do you want what do you need you know you really have to put 
forth effort into that relationship. I feel like it's sort of like a friendship in that way. Like you can't just have one friend always inviting the other friend to do something. It has to be that you come to them with problems, but then, you know, make it clear that you're not just there, I guess, for that. I think it, it really helps if you can become like more friendly with them. Um, and, and that being said, you can have something that's completely professional, you can have professional mentorship. It just feels like every mentor that I've had that really made a difference, I was more than just a professional mentor, like we were friends. Mm. And so I feel like that really makes a difference. Um, and a quick follow-up on that do you feel like the friendship came before the mentorship or the mentorship came before the friendship i think the friendship came after usually um because i've had basically like three mentors in grad school and really i got to know them because of academic things but then we got to know each other better and i feel like the mentorship is better once you're friends with someone. Mm -hmm. But in that way, it can also be tricky because then it's like harder to be mean to someone. <laughs> you can't be like, you need to get your shit together. <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's still decided, but. All right, cool. Well, that's an awesome story. I don't know. Are you ready to move on to yeah. the next section? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Cool, so now, now that you've discussed your career a little bit, we want to understand kind of what you've learned, um, what you've learned from this whole experience. So I guess the first question then is, you know, how has the career or lifestyle affected you in ways you didn't expect? Um, I think grad school, do you mean just grad school? Yeah, general, let's, grad school in general, or really, you know, the, the decision you made to, to completely pivot. Okay. Um, It definitely made me feel like a little bit of a failure at first um, because I had spent three years going towards something that basically now was scrapped completely. Like I had a whole research plan and, you know, I had been in the lab a little bit and, um, you know, I had taken all these classes and I, you know, all that stuff was down the drain. So. That didn't feel great, um, but you know, getting to a place where I finally was enjoying the work that I was doing, um, that definitely helped out. Um, I think, I don't know, any, anything else? along those lines or like more would you like me to talk more broadly or I mean we can talk about more broadly like so let's talk about like you know you said you did feel like a failure but let's talk about trajectories <laughs> here like right like let's let's not even talk about in the scope of grad school but how like that sort of feeling kind of can actually bleed out into the rest of your life and how you kind of overcome it because obviously you're still here you're still going towards what you want to go towards yeah. so <laughs> let's let's talk about how you know we've all been there people have been there and there's a lot of people who are there right now Right. So, in, in your terms, how can you make it past a certain point where this isn't bleeding into the rest of your life? How can you overcome these things? Mm, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a big problem with like imposter syndrome in grad school. And even like once you get out of grad school, it's like you feel like you aren't doing enough or you aren't smart enough and everyone around you is smarter. 
And I think that, honestly, the best way to get over that is to, I don't know, just talk to some of your colleagues or if you're at a conference, talk to people and you'll realize, oh, I'm just as smart as these people or, um, you know, just going to see talks for people and being able to be like, you did your experimental design wrong. Like, there's, <laughs> I know that sounds awful to like, <laughs> sort of rag on someone's failure but for some reason that sort of helps like seeing other people fail lets you know that you're not alone in failure and also that you've gotten to a point where you can recognize failure in others and you know you that's I feel like that's sort of when you finally get over that hump is like when you believe in yourself enough to say oh that's not right um, I also think that sort of, this sounds weird, but um, helping uh, your advisor or even if you get the chance to edit papers from a journal, that can really help too because you, you know, you're going through this paper and you're like, well, no, this is completely ridiculous. Like, where's the citation for this? You know, where's your pre-post test? Something, you know, whatever it happens to be. Like, doing that kind of stuff makes you realize how much you actually know and that you're not actually a failure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, winning awards and stuff like that, that doesn't help. I mean, that doesn't hurt. Right, right, right. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. But I, I, I think it's actually really interesting when you said that the point that you believed in yourself was actually failure recognition. <laughs> yeah. I find that to be actually somewhat interesting because well, we're all sitting here, like, we're in a society where we're like, everybody needs a safe space. Everybody needs to sit here and, uh, you know, we need to appreciate each other's uh, accomplishments because I'm not saying there isn't value in that. Obviously, that's been working for a lot of people for X amount of years. But I find it very interesting that you said that that was the moment of recognition you decided, wow, I believe in myself, which is yeah. counterintuitive. So. Well, I mean, I think it's the whole like metacognition thing, right? Yeah. Once you know what you know, then you realize how much you don't know. And you realize that, oh, everybody else doesn't know a bunch of stuff too. <laughs> You know, you're an expert in this tiny subfield of a much larger field of a much larger field. So there's going to be a million things that you don't know, but it doesn't mean that you can't learn about those things. And yeah, so definitely getting to that point, um, realizing that, you know, other people fail and it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, fail, like what you were saying is 100% right. Like people have been failing for a long time and that's the best way to learn about something. Yeah. If you don't fail at anything your entire life, like, what's, I feel like there's no point, almost. Mm -hmm. well, no challenges. Yeah, and I mean, you, you really think about it, so we're inside, right? And we're inside, we, we use incandescent light and stuff, and you guys know Albert Einstein, or not Albert Einstein, excuse me, um, Thomas Edison, uh, he failed, like, almost a thousand times with the light bulb. 999 or something, or 900, you know, they always, people always fudge over the numbers, but, it, yeah. you know, if we, if we ever quit, if he ever quit after that, we wouldn't, we would be sitting here in candlelight. Well, really, you know. he stole it all from Tesla, so. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> we're just going to gift him that, yeah, but I'm yeah, saying, yeah. in terms of, like, That's you know, the, the type of story that we're trying to go for and whatnot, right. so. Um, all right, so, um, what, what's, your, so, I guess in terms of this, now, now we're delving into now you know, a little bit later on, kind of like broadening our scope here. So in terms of, you know, your life, what you deem to be a successful, meaningful, you know, life, how is your perception of what it means to be successful 
and do meaningful things. And how has that been something that's changed over time? You've had a pivot now. You've had something where you're like, okay, well, now I've changed everything. So where, what are we looking at here in terms of meaningful and successful for you? Um, I guess I always thought that, you know, by the time I was 30, I would have a great job and probably like a family and a house and all this stuff when I was growing up. And now I have like none of that. <laughs> so that's really changed um, my definition of successful. Um, but yeah, I think that like when I first started grad school, you know, I, I thought that being successful meant that you had to go into an academic job and you know if you weren't gonna be a professor like whoa what were you doing with your life um and now i think i understand a lot better that you know academia is not that great um you know i, I still probably will go into academia but i have a much i feel like you sort of see things with rosy colored glasses when you're coming in you're like oh everything's so glamorous here which is funny but he was like everybody's got all this grant money and you're doing whatever you want but but the reality of applying for all those grants and you know all this stuff it it's really daunting so I just feel like my definition of success now is graduation <laughs> and then after that is just like getting a job related to my field that's yeah. that's really like what I'm looking for at this point. Um, it would be great though. I mean, I, I would still say my definition of success still is a professor's job somewhere, but my, my vision of that has definitely shifted. Mm -hmm. So you're obviously, you know, you're a smart, you're a smart person. And although you don't have a job yet, it, does, and it's, it seems scary. I, I don't think you'll have any, any problems getting a job. I was wondering though, you know, you, if you had stayed on the geology track, you still probably would have, would have gotten a job, but you decided to pivot. So is there any, I guess, more existential meaning, um, in terms of the, uh, I guess the, the contribution you're having on society or anything kind of beyond just the fact that you're having now maybe a financially successful or prestigious career? Are there anything, you know, factors beyond just the career that you really have found to be meaningful? Um... I, th I guess before, you know, I'd never had anything published, and now that I do, I think that, um, you know, leaving your impact on society, like, I have a drive to do something where, you know, it will be cited a thousand times. Like, I, I want my work to mean something, and then other people can piggyback off of that work. Not necessarily sure that my... PhD work is going to be that work, but I want to do something, you know, revolutionary so that, you know, people can look at what I did and then, you know, change the way that they teach. So that's definitely shifted for me. I, I didn't used to think that way necessarily. I, I always just was like, well, I, I mean, so I kind of imagined that I would go back and teach at a school like the one that I went to undergrad at, where it was mostly teaching-based. My professors barely did any research, especially once they got tenure. And I sort of like pictured that in my mind. And now I definitely want something bigger. So that definitely changed for me. And just the idea of sort of like leaving your mark in the academic world 
is much more exciting now. I don't know if that answers. Oh, yeah, it, it does. Yeah, that's interesting though because you, okay, so you you now are really excited about you know uh, essentially making your mark, right? And you said that that wasn't always true, right? Yeah. So where where along the line was it that you decided that you wanted to make this mark, and then you know uh, you know I guess what what do you feel like is keeping you from doing that right now, or are you moving towards that? Are you moving towards that each day, or are you kind of, is that on the back burner? Where, um, where is this in terms of priorities right now? So for me, I just, I know that the projects that I did in, for my PhD are not necessarily groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely adding to the conversations that we're having. Right. Um, but I would really, and so the, the studies that I'm talking about, they would have to be like 10 year long studies where, you know, you like actual experimental studies and what I was doing, the things that I was doing, you couldn't really do that. So the kind of studies that I'm talking about, you need so much time and money and, you know, resources that I don't have right now. Right. So, and I guess the point that I really knew that I wanted to do that kind of stuff was once I started getting more involved in conferences. And I know this sounds lame, but... Like, so my community is pretty small, and just looking out at the bigwigs mm -hmm. of the community and just seeing, you know, how everyone knew them, and they, everyone wanted their advice, and they had all done such great things, and I really wanted that, you know? I wanted to be part of that community. I wanted to be cited, you know, a thousand times. I wanted that recognition. I guess. So really like seeing what the community was like, being able to work with all those different people, um, getting to know them really well, that was sort of when things shifted for me. So I would definitely recommend going to conferences. Okay. So Changes conference. your way of thinking and, and not just going to a conference, like actually interacting with your community. If you go to a conference and you sit in the back of the room, you're not and you don't talk to anyone or you just talk to your friends, like that's not helpful. The whole point of a conference is to go make connections that can help your career in the long run. So. Cool, so I mean, that's the second part of that, uh, you know, um, what steps are you taking in terms of like your goals right now or is that kind of just like something you're just gonna? Um, so, I mean, I am on the look for a postdoc basically mm -hmm. right now. So I've been in contact with some people um, and we're maybe thinking about writing some grants together so they can get some startup money, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, those are sort of the steps that I'm taking right now, but also just trying to finish my research right. <laughs> so I can actually get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So overall, have you been happy with how your journey has, uh, has unfolded and you know, do you feel like you're, you're at least on the path to success, or have you even achieved success yet? That's a good question. <laughs> I would definitely say that it's sort of been a roller coaster through grad school. Like, you will go to some really high highs, and you will go to some low lows. <laughs> like, I feel like grad school is one of the lowest times in your life for most people. But it's also some of the best times in your life. I mean, I think that the friends that you make in grad school make a huge difference in even your productivity. 
in grad school, like if you're unhappy all the time and you don't have any friends and you know, whatever, I feel like your productivity can suffer from that. But um, also, you know, I, I just feel like grad school makes you feel, I, I think they design it to make you feel like a beaten down dog sometimes. That's the whole point of prelims is to make you feel as stupid as possible before they let you in. <laughs> I mean, you can say that it's to test your knowledge or whatever, but we know the truth. <laughs> I, uh, I'm definitely, we've all taken the prelims before. I think it's, we all know. It's terrible. I mean, <laughs> We might even obviously have a show just on yeah. I, I think that might actually be funny. It really is. It's an initiation process. It is, yeah. it is. So I, I think that... You know, in terms of being successful, I never feel like I'm being successful. I mean, I even after I published my first paper, I remember it just being such a struggle that when it finally came out, I don't even think I told anyone. For a <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, it's finally done, and I just wanted to like go nap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I I see people like posting on their Facebooks when they get, you know, a paper accepted, no. no. <laughs> I was just so happy to have it in. And like, even your times when you feel so successful, you're also like, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh my god, what if like, someone sees a, a mistake in the paper, you know? It's, so it's, yes, I, I, I simultaneously feel successful and not successful all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the greatest feeling, but again, I really think that they sort of design it to be that way. I mean, I, I would guess like my commentary to that would be like, I feel like they design it so that you're always keeping the end in mind. And, and in reality, we, you know, a lot of us haven't really done anything. We haven't no. changed the science. We haven't made a mark on the world. We haven't done this and that. And I feel like it's actually, I don't think they even made you. I don't even think they intentionally did this. I don't think a bunch of guys or, you know, men and women who were faculty sat in a room and said, we want people to be like this. But inevitably in the climate of how we are, you know, in society right now, I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of students uh, in general, they get stuck with either the, the middle, the means basically, you know, or people look at the end and they say, I'm not even there yet. Right. You know? And it's really frustrating to start a PhD program, especially like a 96 hour one. And be like it's so far in the future but yeah I, I sort of wish that they would break it down a little bit more and it obviously depends on what department you're in as well right but yeah it does seem like yeah. it was designed that way <laughs> yeah all right cool so um let's see uh, do you want to cover the next question then or? oh you can go for it all right cool so um all right. So, what could you tell you know? What could you tell yourself essentially? Um, like, for example, if you were you know, if you could go back, knowing what you know, uh, what would you tell your former self? And uh, you know, also, what would you do differently if you could do it all again? So, we're gonna have the rewind time section of our, yeah. of our, of our <laughs> podcast here, and I think this is always a really interesting thing because we want to know you know what would you tell your former self? Because there's probably a uh, you know, someone who exists out there who's in your same situation, who is like, you know, at that point in their life where they're maybe right. trying to t jump the ship onto, you know, into grad school and it might not be taking them where they want to go or it might. So what would you say if you got a chance to talk back, you know, to your old self, you know, younger Lauren Holder? 
Um, I guess I would have said A, apply to more schools and be more aggressive about it, and B, um, you know, I, I wish that I maybe could have gone somewhere that was a little bit bigger for my undergrad, because then maybe I would have had that exposure to different things, but again, that's like not something I can necessarily change. I would definitely go back in time and tell myself not to do geochemistry, because <laughs> I definitely feel like I wasted a bunch of years on that. But that being said, you know, it, it might come back that, you know, someplace where I want to go teach, they want, they might want me to teach geochem, which I definitely have a background in, or they might want me to teach about soils, which I definitely have a background in. So, I mean, who knows if that experience was sort of I mean, yeah, it does seem silly now for me to have done all that stuff, but maybe it'll help me at some point. Um, I guess I would definitely tell myself, you have to go to the office every day, <laughs> no matter what. Um, and you basically, like, you have to keep a schedule for yourself. Because my advisor is very hands-off. He's not even in my building, so there was, like, no regulation from him. So there were, there were like weeks where I just like would only come in one day and be like, hello, <laughs> I'm here this week. But yeah, so I think just being regimented and treating it like a job is a great way to get to where you want to go. And also, hmm, I don't know, maybe, to try, I wish I had tried harder at conferences earlier in my career. Mm. Um, my advisor also didn't let me go to a lot of conferences early in my career, but once he finally let, started letting me go, I feel like I spent too much time trying to hang out with the people that I knew from A&M when I should have been more focused on the people that were in the geoed community. And I definitely am now, and I've made a lot of friends there. So whenever I go to conferences, we all go out to dinners, and you know, we all rag on presentations together and whatever. But you know, I, I definitely think even if you don't like making new friends, forcing yourself to do that <laughs> is the best thing that you can do. And so I really wish I had done that earlier. So, so I, I actually have to run soon, but I do want to ask a question. I'm playing a little bit of the devil's advocate here. Okay. Uh, you mentioned how you would actually, uh, you would tell your former self not to go through the whole experience of enrolling in geosciences and learning through failure. But it, it does seem like learning through failure had actually been a pretty valuable experience for you. Is there any other way that you would have advocated to learn those same lessons? Do you mean like going into something and then switching out of it or? Yeah. So you, you mentioned how you, you probably would have, you know, enrolled in education from, right. from the jump. Yeah. Um, but how would you have learned those same lessons, um, that you learned from enrolling in something you didn't want to do and then kind of, you know, learning, learning by fire? Right. Um, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. It, it's hard to speculate because. Know, maybe I just would have been super happy and <laughs> yeah. failed in other ways. But yeah, I mean, I actually do think it's a good thing that I went through that experience and 
failed, basically. Um, I, like I was saying, I, I actually bet that at some point in my life, the classes that I took and all that stuff will come back and they will help me somehow. I don't know how it's going to help me, but I have a feeling that it's going to help me. Um, so I'm really glad that that happened. Um, but I think, you know, having, having that happen, you just have to have someone there to help you and to guide you in the right direction. So yeah, I, I can't really speculate on how I would have failed otherwise, but I actually am really glad that that experience happened. It's just having the, you know, the guts to leave it all behind. Mm -hmm. That, getting over that hump, again, mentorship helps, but you really have to be there yourself and be like, are you willing to put all of this behind you? And sometimes you really just have to. If you're not happy and you know you're not happy, whether it be in academia or a relationship or a friendship, like you, there is a part of your brain that knows that you're not happy. And it's better to ditch it and run earlier than stick it, try and stick it out and just end up hating your life. Because mm -hmm. right. life is too short to do something that you hate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is they have a choice. Right. And we have the ability to go and live happier lives. And I think, you know, you mentioning that will actually help a lot of people in the future. So um, I think uh, you said you had a run right now. Yeah, I'll get it. I'll so, get it. okay, cool. So we'll go ahead and end this today. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us with this podcast. We really appreciate your viewership. And please tune into the next episode. Thank you very much. All right.